Welcome back to another episode of Living Hope, a weekly journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer. Sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this really deadly disease and how they deal with it on a daily basis. And today, well, today we're privileged. We have a special host with us. Hopefully someone who'll feel comfortable enough to do this week in and week out with us and help us guide through this journey. The woman whose journey took her here and started this storytelling. Welcome to Roberta Luna. Hey, Roberta. Hi, Paul. Thanks so much for agreeing to share the mic with me today. <laughs> uh, why not? Why not? Absolutely. You know, the first few shows, it was me talking about this because I, I know everybody wanted to feel comfortable with it. How do we get this thing going? But I think it helps to have somebody who's really been there because I don't really understand this. I don't know anybody that's gone through pancreatic cancer. Every time I listen to the story, to me, it's just hard to believe. And so I'm always questioning and wondering and, and asking questions, maybe the audiences. But I think it helps to have some perspective. And you've been doing – give us your quick story here again for those that haven't tuned in. You've been living with this for 19 years. Yes. Un- unfortunately or fortunately, I, I'm still here. Fortunately. Uh, well, thank you, Julia. I appreciate that. I was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer on April 1st, 2002, after losing my father, grandmother, and uncle to the disease. And then in 2008, I also lost my mom. So I am actually the lone survivor of a family that's been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. I wanted to do something more, and I appreciate, Paul, thank you very much, OC Talk Radio, for giving us this opportunity. And hopefully you guys will continue to tune in each week because we want to really share the other stories that are out there. Some maybe didn't end happily, but they still have something positive to say and to share, and I really hope you guys tune in every week. If you don't, you can also catch us on a podcast, which That's is right. awesome. That's so, right. You can um, binge backwards. <laughs> you can listen to all of them. So who'd you bring with you today? Today I brought Julia, and I'm going to let her say her own last name because I have a tendency to screw up last <laughs> names no matter how simple and how often I know them and, and, and um, can practice. So Julia, thank you for joining us today. Would you please introduce yourself? Sure. Thank you for having me. I am Julia Tominaga. Thank you. I knew I had it right, but, you know, I know it was going to come out wrong, so (laughs) I'd rather do it right the first time. Just real quick, I'm really out of my comfort zone here, so... You're doing fine so far. (laughs) So far, so good. I guess if I can jump out of an airplane and uh, fight pancreatic cancer, I guess I can do this, but we'll see. And your feedback is always welcome, so anybody wants to give us feedback, please feel free to do that. Julie, I know you have a great story, and I've actually really um, researched your brother, but I want to hear it from you, so if you would... Just tell us a little bit about what brought you here today. What journey did you go with? Sure. My older brother, back in December, December 19th of 2008, I got a phone call from my dad, and my dad said that I'm taking your brother to the ER. He has um, some stomach pain. So I said, okay, let me know how it goes. And at about 3 p.m. that day, I was asked to come to the hospital, and the ER doctor said we found a mass on his pancreas. So my first thought was, okay, can we operate, remove this mass? And the look on the ER doctor's face kind of said it all. He said, well, I want your family to meet with the oncologist first. So of course, that night I go home and I Google pancreatic cancer, and it was very scary. I didn't have a lot of hope. Like everybody, nobody knows where your pancreas does. Nobody knows where it's located. 
but I knew my brother had a mass on his pancreas. So the next day, the oncologist met with us and said he's got um, stage four pancreatic cancer that has metastasized to his liver. So I still said, what are we going to do about this? And um, the oncologist who was, um, now I know he was awesome. He offered us options. He said, we could do nothing. We could keep your brother comfortable. Or we, we, we could do chemotherapy. Or I can look into clinical trials. He said, I can't guarantee that he would qualify for any clinical trials, but I will look. So that night we talked to my brother, and I think he was in shock too. You know, when you get this news, it's um, a lot to process. He um, decided on chemotherapy. Back then it was just, um, is it gemcitabine? Yes. Yes. Um, there was no abraxane with the gem gemcitabine, so it was just gemcitabine. My brother had long hair, and all he was worried about, well, two things. He wanted to, the, the chemotherapy was to slow the growth of the tumor so that there wouldn't be so much pain. He was more worried about losing his hair. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can kind of um, go with that. I, I, that was one of my worries, too. And when you're, you're really thinking, you're thinking, it's just hair. Right. But when you see it in the drain, it's a, it's a bit different. Right. Um, you mentioned that they took your brother to ER. What symptoms did he have, or what was the reason they actually took him into the ER? The way my father explained it was stomach pain. But when I saw him, his stomach was very distended. And there's a word for it. Is it... Something like that. (laughs) And back pain. That was it. And he had sustained a back injury while at work. He worked for the House of Blues. Um, So the back pain wasn't something out of the ordinary. The stomach pain and the, the bloating, I guess, is what got him to the ER. What test did they do to um, determine that it was pancreatic cancer? And how long did it take them to get that diagnosis? What they told me that same day was there was a, they found a, to, a mass on his pancreas. And I guess that was through maybe a CT scan. So it must have been a fairly MR. large mass. Do you know the size yeah. of it? For I, it I don't it? remember. Okay. My brother was not one. He, he wanted to know the facts. <laughs> <laughs> and he asked the doctor, am I going to die? And if so, how long do I have to live? And the doctor gave him three to six months. He was in a lot of pain. He lived two and a half weeks after diagnosis. So, but watching him go through that, it was, it was, um, and I remember the doctor saying, I wish I could tell you, you have any other cancer. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad he didn't live three to six months with this pain. Two and a half weeks. Did he do any chemo during that time, or did he say, did he? Yeah. Did he he have any side effects or anything with the chemo? No. Did he keep his hair, his long, I heard long, gorgeous hair. Actually, I did a little research on your brother, and Uh a lot of things that were mentioned was Curtis with the long hair. Yes. So so he was able to keep his his long hair during this time? Yep, absolutely. And during his two and a half weeks, I mean, the last few days were rough, but he was in the hospital. He would walk to the cafeteria with my son Brennan. He would... um, he shower on his own. We'd walk outside to the patio. So, you know, um, the, like I said, we had great days, but the last few days were rough. 
How did this change your family as far as, you know, get-togethers? Were you always close? Did this bring you closer? Did you tend to, to drift more apart? You know, my parents were both alive when this happened. Um, my mom was devastated. And um, she didn't, she kept saying, there's, there's no reason to smile. There's no reason to laugh anymore. You know, losing a child is the worst. And my brother was 48 and even, the, you know, still her child. Yeah. <laughs> Bringing the family closer, I would say yes, it did. For me personally, after losing my brother, I just um, wanted to know more about the disease. I um, found the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, and I immediately wanted to volunteer and, and try to make a difference, whether it's raising money, helping them with their event, you know, doing something. Did you find that satisfying for yourself? Yeah, so I called the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network and um, the person that I spoke to, I said, I wanna volunteer. I just lost my brother, I wanna volunteer. She actually gave me good advice. She said, you know, before you volunteer, why don't you attend our Purple Stride event in LA? It's coming up in a month or two. Can you explain just a little bit what Purple Stride is for those people who don't know? Yeah, so Purple Stride, we have Purple Stride, their awareness walks across the country where People who have a connection to pancreatic cancer come, walk, raise money for research programs that um, the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network has. And um, it's a day of, it's an amazing day. You know, you attend the event, you walk, you raise money. The Purple Stride area, <laughs> Is it called the village? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Has different tents where you can learn about the disease, get more involved, and of course, food and refreshments and <laughs> things like that. It's always important, right? Yeah. But um, when I attended that event, they had the survivors come up on stage. And at that moment, I just started crying because in my mind, people don't survive this disease. It took my brother's life and... Two and a half weeks. People don't survive. It was Purple Stride South Bay in a shopping center. And I remember walking two laps, crying the whole way. And at that moment, I knew I really wanted to get involved. Good. And I'm glad you did because um, you've helped us out in Orange County with our Purple Stride. And as a survivor, it's, it's a very overwhelming feeling to be on that stage and to look out and see all those people who are supporting you, even though they may have lost somebody. They're there to support you, and it's just an amazing feeling. So thank you for, for doing that and for yep. um, for volunteering. And from that, I know you became more than just a volunteer. Yes. So I volunteered. Let's see. My brother passed away in 2009. I actually participated in um, the Purple, Purple Stride South Bay in 2010. I was a volunteer chair. And then um, I was working for a small nonprofit at the time, and I kept my eye on the PanCan website, <laughs> and I saw a position that was open, and it was in accounting. I do not have an accounting background, but I know the software that they use. So um, I started working for PanCan in on July fifth, two thousand eleven. 
Oh, you have an anniversary coming up in a couple a big of months, don't you? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> ten year? Ten, years? ten years? Yeah, yeah, I did that math really quick. I'm yeah. proud of myself. It's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you mentioned your son, Brennan. Mm-hmm. And I want to congratulate him real quick on graduating high school. I cannot believe that little boy is doing that. I remember yeah. him very young. Um, there's a photo that always catches my attention that you use quite a lot, and it's with Brennan and, and Curtis on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any particular story or anything behind that photo, or is it just a favorite of yours? There's no real story, but I think that image really captures their closeness their relationship my my brother (laughs) i don't know if marriage was in his cards and even children but he loved his nephews more than life itself and brennan losing his uncle sorry no it's fine it's a tough it's a tough situation brennan losing his uncle at five years old i mean the five years that he had with his uncle is and the closest is probably more than some people will have in their lifetime yeah. So I'm grateful for that. It's amazing. And just like I said, to, I mean, at such a, a young age, and he's actually been a volunteer yeah. himself with both L.A. and Orange County uh, Purple Strides and within the office in in L.A. So we're very proud of this young man as well. I know you said that you don't think marriage or, or maybe children were in his cards, but I have to say, like I said, I did a little bit of research and I was amazed at some of the comments people made um, on his uh, on his page. And one of them was, he is an example for my daughter as to what a man should be. And I thought that was just really amazing for somebody, you know, to come out and say that. And some of the other things I read about him, he was just a very awesome person. And I just want to know, did, did you, do you or your family ever ask why, why us, why him? All the time. All the time. I do, but I try not to focus on on that I, I i try to focus on the positive and the fact that his diagnosis and his death has brought me so much closer to so many people like yourself and to an amazing organization that's doing amazing things you know and the night before my brother passed away he said um and you know he only knew about pancreatic cancer for two and a half weeks and he said I hope in Brennan's lifetime, they find a cure. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So he's 18. We got to get on this. (laughs) And that's what we're working towards. And that's the programs like this hopefully will help us bring more awareness to to that. If you had any advice to give to anybody who is just now going through this, is there anything special you would say to them? I work for the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. So this is not, I mean, our patient services is an amazing group of people, an amazing department, and I would say call them. And in fact, a couple weeks ago, we had a a friend who said his father was diagnosed. And, um, you know, I talked to him, but I said call them. They will, they'll answer all your questions. They have resources beyond belief. And to call them, you know, um, for me, when I, I actually got to the PanCan website, but only having two and a half weeks, yeah. I didn't really get to utilize their service, but it's a great service. And for, you know, from A to Z, they can help you. And if they can't, they will guide you yeah. in the right direction. 
And I think it's one thing I always refer to them as my one-stop shop when I talk to anybody because they do patient services, advocacy, research. I really can't think of anyone who does it any better. So I want to thank you very much for coming and sharing your story. And thank you all for listening and giving me this opportunity to come out of my comfort zone. And hopefully you enjoyed the show and you will tune in again next week with us and also go to our podcast and listen to what you may have missed or re-listen to it again. Thank you all. Appreciate it. There you have it, another reason to tune in each and every week to Living Hope, a weekly journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with pancreatic cancer, sharing the real-life stories of those affected by this disease and how they're dealing with it on a daily basis. And if you'd like to share your stories, please come forward. We're more than welcome to share it with the world. What can we learn from each other? That's what this is all about. And if you or anyone out there needs information right now, if you've started your own journey or on your own journey with dealing with pancreatic cancer or someone you love or know is, start by calling patient services at 877, the number two, PANCAN. That's 877 and the number two, P-A-N-C-A-N and reach out to the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. From your friends here at Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio. Streaming live from the UCI Beal Applied Innovation Center. I'm Paul Roberts. Be well. Tune in again.